0: Yo, what's good everybody? It's your boy Jamie, the new negro. I know my name says I'm with her, and you'll figure that out a little bit later as we get into our discussion this afternoon. I stack the boss. What's good, fam?
1: Yo, what's popping with you, man? What's good, man? So, I want to get right into it, man. So, we had an interesting show last week. We sure did,
0: man. We had to we had to let them know there's rules to this game, <laughs> levels to this, and you know, with certain you brothers, we need it. We need to throw all the uh, glossy shirts and eight button suits. We need to, we, what we need to be doing with them things is cutting them up and learning how to turn them into masks so that we can stay safe. During COVID. That's what that's what we learned last week.
1: OK, OK. Well, that's what's up, man. So look, man, um you and I have been talking and, and the way we come up with these these subjects and, and topics that we'd like to um put on platform is just based on conversations that you and I have had. And one that we've had in the past is um, the discussion, especially now with with the coronavirus going on and everyone being stuck indoors, this conversation, I guess, keeps coming up. Um, and that topic is homeschooling and the benefits of it, the pros and cons and so forth. So, um, so I thought long and hard about who we can um, pull into this conversation to make it a fruitful one. And I found the absolute perfect person, right? Yeah. And I'll get to why this person is synony- synonymous with the shirt that I'm repping right now, right? Okay. So this person is currently the founding director of Rise Educational Consulting under BGS Productions um, Incorporated. Uh, they offer educational and cultural diversity training to parents, educators, and schools. That's awesome um their focus is african-centered curriculum develop um, their focus is african-centered curriculum develop, development and licensor for rise uh for the rise curriculum um she currently is a homeschool parent herself so she has two imani geniuses and she'll explain a little bit uh what that means and she's been doing that for about eight years um, previously she's been a language arts educator for third to eighth grade uh, she's been a principal in the past. Um, she's developed curriculums. Um, she's done quite a bit in in her past. And and one thing that I'm actually ultra proud of, and I can say is an affinity point for her, is that she's also a graduate of Florida, the illustrious. Let me let me put the illustrious, the illustrious Florida AM and uh, M. University. And she is also a graduate of the school, the Dean Mobley School of Business and Industry. Um, So with that being said, I'd like to introduce Talitha
0: Anabuele. All right. I'm excited about this. Bring them out. Bring them out. Bring them out.
2: Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Well, well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm usually on the other side of hosting, so I'm excited to actually be a guest tonight. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, you're part of the family already, so you can say welcome too. So, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And yes, Ratless represent. I
1: know that's right. Yeah. So, this, so, so this conversation, um, I think, is one that that falls to the core of the family structure, right? So I didn't think that Jamie and I agreed that this conversation probably wouldn't have been a fruitful one unless we brought our spouses in. I don't think that I'm necessarily qualified to single single handedly talk about this. So I'm going to introduce my wife and Jamie, you go ahead and introduce yours. So without further ado, I'd like to bring on to the screen my wife, (laughs) Carrie Jean. <laughs> I mean I well you didn't send me your your bio that, that's
2: all i get just guarantees well, and
0: my girl in advance, so <laughs> you therefore- used to I'm, I'm glad you went first, so I know how to do mine. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, I bring to you the most vivacious and talented Carly oh, okay. <laughs> That's why. That's why my name is I'm I am. I'm all with her. I don't okay. have a name. No, it's all about her. So
3: okay. <laughs>
2: Well, that's
1: awesome. So, um, Talitha, I will give you an opportunity to go ahead and introduce your significant other.
2: Yes, I would like to introduce my rock, my other half, not necessarily oh, better
3: ooh, than that. i like laying one. it on thick. Mm. The okay. love of my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the love of my life. Oh,
3: look walk here.
1: Oh man! Uh, all right, so we'll go ahead and do a, Do a do over at the end of the show, but <laughs> let's let's get right into it. So, so as I stated earlier, this this conversation I think has come up more often than not recently, uh, because you know I guess everyone thinks that they're homeschooling now because of this distance learning thing, and I wanted to make sure that one we dispel that immediately that there's a major difference between homeschooling. distance learning. So I'll go ahead and let you take on that. And then we can go ahead and get into the conversation.
2: Right. So everybody's using this term very loosely now because most people believe that if they are learning at home, then it's homeschooling. And so um, there's some differentiation between homeschooling and just distance learning. So think of it in terms of those who work from home remote. Um, workers who were doing that even prior to the coronavirus pandemic. Those employees are remote workers because they traditionally work from home anyway. The rest of us who have been forced to work from home, we're not necessarily remote workers. We just have been working from home now because circumstances required it. We didn't make that decision. Life circumstances made that decision for us. So the same is here now. If you did not make the decision to educate your child yourself at home, then you are simply, and you are using a public school curriculum or your private school curriculum or some other resources from the traditional school that your children were currently um, attending, then you are basically doing distance learning. So you're doing a virtual learning program, you're doing online learning, you're doing distance learning, but that's not traditionally homeschooling. So the whole point of homeschooling is being able to have some autonomy how you educate your child and listening to the parents that have been coming to me the grove since this is happening, since this has happened. You all are not getting autonomy. You all are getting work packets. You're getting required virtual classes. You're getting deadlines that you didn't set. That is not homecoming, Home homeschooling. That is, <laughs>
3: that is,
2: that is um, distance learning. That is teachers still trying to figure it out because we're in a situation we haven't seen in a hundred years. But that's not homeschooling per se. That's not the homeschooling that I know.
1: Okay. So with that being said, I, I guess I want to lay the groundwork for not only your background and what you've done in the past and what brought you here, but kind of level setting the true definition of what homeschooling is, what's involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess speaking to the benefits of even considering something is as, as homeschooling.
2: Okay, so I teach a course. um I'll be offering a course starting the end of next month because I wanted to wait until after we got through this homeschooling transition, sure. uh, parents. Because school typically ends by end of May, beginning of June across the country. Mm-hmm. Mid June, most schools will have ended. So I wanted to offer the course once parents had a chance to have some reprieve and reflect, because a lot of parents are now thinking about it that may not have been thinking about it before since we've. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to help parents understand because I'm not one to push homeschools on anyone. I Let me say right now, I don't think it is the best alternative for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think it is the best alternative for some students and some family. And you have to make that determination. So in the course, so you think you want homeschool that I'll be offering beginning in June. One of the key things that we talk about is that you must know your why and your why not. Right. And so for me, my why was that I could not find a comfortable educational institution or environment that could challenge my children in the way that I knew I needed them to be challenged academically, socially, emotionally, spiritually, and culturally. All of those components were equally important to me. It wasn't enough for them to be able to pass standardized tests or excel academically. I wanted them also to see reflections of themselves positive reflections of themselves daily. I wanted them to be indoctrinated into black excellence. And I made no apologies about that. I wanted to understand more about our faith and hear that from a perspective of African liberation theology. I wanted them to know our history in its fullest form, but be able to apply that to every other subject. And I could not find a setting that could do that. So that was my why. And if you're not able to articulate that why, then you need to reflect on it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Now there are a lot of why nots as well. And so, you know, a lot of parents are why not? You know, my mm-hmm. husband definitely has some why not so he can he can speak to some of this because this was not his first choice at all. Um, but some of the why not why nots that I hear are all about lack. So it's either lack of financial freedom. It's a lack of desire, which is very simple. It's a complete lack of desire. A lack of willingness to put forth this new effort is flexing a new muscle. If it's something you've never done before, it's requiring you to do something different. Most people are just not willing to do something new. They're tired already. They don't want to learn anything new.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And lack of understanding about the process and what to do. And so those lacks, just cancel it for them. And so if if your lacks are greater than your why, it will mm-hmm. that's it is for me. My why was so great. Every lack that came up, I was able to nullify it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. We got a question from the uh, Facebook community and Clifton wants to know, you know, are you eligible to receive federal endowment grants money by homeschooling?
2: It depends on how you're classified and of depends on your state. So in my state in Florida, homeschooling is considered independent of any type of financial assistance or any type of governmental regulation. In Texas, for example, homeschooling is still considered a private school. And you can establish it as your own private school under your family name, you can can create a trust under your family name, a foundation, whatever have you. And you can list yourself as this private nonprofit school and then you're eligible for these grants. Mm -hmm. But in many states, homeschooling is simply just you educating your child, you don't have to be under in the umbrella or offices, but it just depends on the state. So I am not because of how I'm classified. But if you classified yourself as a private school, then you could be.
4: Aren't there, in general, you just have some type of dollars or funding for Yes, yeah,
2: so in the state of there should be. So here's the thing. Um, there should be, because we are taxpayers, the money that is allotted to your student for attending public schools should follow right. you. Right. Should follow you. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's a it's a fight in many cases. So uh, oftentimes, for example, even this past year, I know that I'm eligible to for my students to be able to go to extracurricular activities at the neighboring school. They should be able to participate in PE and art and language courses. They should be able to do that. I went. I had all my paperwork. Had everything in order. Went to the school. And the school was completely unaware of the process, had no idea what to do. Wow. Um, contacted the homeschooling department, which is very small here, so it's half a staff of three people for an entire county, for our county. Wow. Um, and they were just completely unaware of what to do. We were not well versed in the law. I had to educate them on the law. And they basically said, Well, we're ruling against it, even though the law states this, because we just don't have the bandwidth or the wherewithal to do this. Now I could have taken that fight. I had to, I came home, I was stealing. I was like, bae, we're going in because my baby, I want everything that my children are do. I tell my kids all the time leave no money on the table. You right. know, get everything you're due, right? So I was ready to do this. Fight. <laughs> I had to ask myself, like, what am I really fighting for here? Um, what is the value that I would gain from this fight? Because eventually, what would happen is I would win so I was on my side. It would take. Type of uphill battle that I would win, but then my child would be in a classroom setting where she was not wanted, which is ultimately
3: mm-hmm.
2: and would be taught by teachers who are already taxed 30 plus in the
3: classroom,
2: who already don't have enough resources they feel. Um, and it wouldn't be the best environment. So, why, why would I fight for her to be in the setting that I am sacrificing so much to keep her out of? And so, it just wasn't worth the battle for me. The situation may be different for other people who. Maybe their neighborhood school has much smaller classrooms, lower resources, and it's worth that battle. But it really, homeschooling is still, it's not new at all, but the people who are running a lot of these um, organizations within the district are still not very well prepared and educated in some cases. Go ahead, Jane.
0: Jane. Yeah, so my question is for that parent that's uh, considering it. But they have some uh, reluctancy towards it. So somebody will say, well, what about social? What about socialization? Like, you know, what about my kids? How are they going to interact with other people if they just inside the house learning by themselves? How do you what do you say to that parent that's like, no, nah, my kids need to be in a classroom setting?
4: I don't know what you say to that parent because I'm that parent. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm low-key I'm low that parent. David
0: am
3: asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I see that question. What? I feel like you typed in that question for him to read. No, or something.
4: no, but so. I, yeah, I um, you know, my 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 wife is her, her profession is an educator, um, and so she, you know, there was never a doubt that our children would not receive the top-notch education that she provides. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did have um, serious questions and concerns and still do about the socialization aspects. Uh, You know, if you went to school in the 80s and 90s uh, in the primary schools, you know, prior to college, homeschool kids were the weird kids.
3: Right, (laughs) right. Yeah,
2: so, this was his biggest so,
4: I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it it's and um you know just to expound a little bit more but but deeper than that there are two major two major concerns that I had um related to the homeschooling it was just about the overall um th- their ability to learn competitiveness mm-hmm so just being competitive and seeing others around, because as a child, you know, you do whatever you do and you think it's normal, and you think it's 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 regular. You don't know where you fit in that equation. I wanted them to be aware and cogniz- aware and cognizant of if they were great or not. Um, I think that's a lesson that needs to happen early, and um, you know, a little bit more philosophically or spiritually you know, your light is going to shine brightest in the darkest spaces. So we also tell our children they have a huge responsibility because they are kids. You know, mm-hmm. you tell them, you my child. So what that means is um, you are, whether you want to be or not, you are going to have to be tasked with being a leader. And we want your faces to be in places where others need to see a role model at, at the peer level. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, them being privileged enough to have their mother also be a master teacher, what were they not um, giving back already uh, into the world um, for for the blessings that have been bestowed upon them? That also was a concern of mine.
3: Yeah.
2: So to those parents, this parent, and um, so there are several ways to homeschool. So let me first start there. You can homeschool, you are the teacher you're the educator of your child, yourself, and that's it, kind of exclusively in somewhat an isolated space in your home. Um, that's the most commonly practiced, and that's the one that most people think of when they think of homeschooling. It's just, be mm-hmm. meet with my child all day, and they see that as this tunnel vision, and, and that kind of scares them themselves. You all have seen now what it's like to be with your child 24 mm-hmm. seven. It can be overwhelming, right?
3: Right.
2: So that's one way of doing it. Another way is to hire a teacher or teachers for your child for specific subjects or for everything. So there are um, certified teachers and depending on your state, the, the teacher may have to be certified or not. It depends on the regulations of your state, but you would hire someone that will come in and educate your child. You either work from home or not, but your, your home becomes the school, the educator comes into your home, they teach the entire thing. And a lot of affluent families do that, or even those who are just learn to sacrifice and they prioritize that as something that's important to them. Um, Another is to join a co-op. So these last two um, ways are ways that you have this socialization. So co-ops are groups of families that function as a village, as a community that all help teach each other's children. And so you can kind of swap subjects, you can swap grade levels, and you all work together as your own community to teach each other's children. There's no, um, you can do it on a, an exchange or it could be for compensation. Most people just do it on exchange. I teach your child reading, you teach my child Spanish. I have a lot of the, I'm, in, I'm a part of a lot of co ops for that purpose to be able to do that. And then lastly, you can find or create a micro school. And that is where there is one master teacher in your area. That person teaches all of the homeschooled children in your area, that one person. I've also served that role and you drop your child off just like you would at school, but it's a micro school, meaning 10 students or less in perhaps a blended classroom that learns. So there are multiple ways to do that. And all of those ways, there's always options. Now it's not the 80s anymore, so it's not as weird as it used to be. Now there are hundreds of thousands of groups, co-ops, just all type of collaborative things. Museums now have special homeschool days, um, everything in, in most major cities they have different things catered to homeschooling families. So we get our own personal field trips. We definitely like our classroom is the world. So we get out all the time. Um, libraries have special activities devoted to homeschooling um, families. And the great things about this thing, is like we feel exclusive. Like we go to, we get first. <laughs> You know, because our groups are usually small. So we get the front row of all the theater performances. And it's always this shout out of welcome the homeschooling group of Broward County. Um, You know, we're like rolling up red carpet, you know, style. Because it's so few of us together, but it's a wonderful feeling. Like, it definitely is a community. So Mm -hmm. that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is extracurricular activity. So a lot of families choose homeschooling because their children are Mm -hmm. extraordinarily proficient In a sport or some type of performing talent that Mm -hmm. will not yield itself to a traditional school schedule. Mm -hmm. So, they're actors or actresses and they have to travel. um, So, they have their own shows, they have agents, and they are their models. They have to travel. So, they homeschool so that they don't have to meet the demands of traditional school settings. Or, they're super athletes, like on their way to being Olympians, and their practice schedule does not allow them to go. So, those students are still developing that competitiveness, still inter- a- interacting with other students all the time and still socializing. Now, our kids.
4: Yeah, we'll, we'll just interject real quick. My trainer, uh, he told me that uh, Tim Tebow was homeschooled. Is that a good or bad thing? That's, that's wow, event. that's not a good case study. <laughs> <laughs> of
0: his athletics wasn't homeschool. His his brain was homeschooled. So that's truth. <laughs> <a, that's laughs> <page of> <laughs> yeah. Well that
2: that wasn't my curriculum. I can't say that. But um my kids are very social. Like very social. They have their own YouTube shows already. They do a science show, Meet Me and mirror the Glass Scientist, that they love engaging with their kids. They also are involved in extracurricular activities, tennis, piano, basketball. So you swimming. So you get them involved still. They're still engaging with other kids um, and still very much normal. And one of the things that's very important to us in general is just community. So mm. everywhere we've moved, we've been a very transient family. So we have help to either establish or become a part of thriving communities everywhere we live for the intentional purpose of ensuring that our children see that and replicate it. And so they see other families like ours engaging regularly just to get together and converse and exchange and have fun and no agenda, just to Mm -hmm. be together. So Um, so We're very intentional about that.
1: so, So let me ask you a question. So the average parent, right, starting from scratch that wants to even go down this path that you know, has no idea where to start when you're talking about which format, all the different formats um, that you just listed. But the other big major thing is identifying which curriculum best suits their kid or which one that, as the homeschool teacher, um, would be one that they could easily digest and then um, teach their kids. Like, I guess, what are the options that are out there for someone that's wanting to get started?
0: Yeah. Well, and- Actually, before you answer uh, McDonald, that's a good, because Kiera Rojas on Facebook kind of had the same question too. So I don't know if you want to address her. It's, it's, it's she around
1: probably, the- She probably asked it a lot more eloquently than I
0: did. So. <laughs>
3: Curriculum. So. <laughs> OK, so does,
2: does everyone see the question when you put it up there? Or yeah, everyone sees the, the question,
3: question.
2: Okay. yeah. As well. OK. So, Kira, thank you for that question. McDonald. thank you for that question. So, as an educator, it was very important to me to ensure that my children were not just on par with the um, average student, but above and beyond, and just able to push for their potential. So, I personally, I think the best curriculum is the one I'm raising in Hotel's Scholars of Excellence. I mean, that's just, I'm personally biased. I'm, I, right. agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm
4: it's completely it. unbiased. And I, I just personally
3: agree.
2: Agree. <laughs> So, having been in education now almost two decades, having written a curriculum specifically um, for an African centered school, and then being um, pulled and, and drafted throughout the country and all over the world to replicate it in different models. Um, I've seen the track record, so I was able to take students from third to eighth grade reading level in one year. And I've seen that, that track record, I've able to take them from um, scoring at 20% to scoring above 80% in math in one year using this curriculum. So I understand that the core components of it are teaching the children about who they were. So we lived in Singapore. Singapore, if, you, if you're unaware, is the number one country in the world in terms of education. The one thing that I learned from them while there, um, I started a micro school there, but I was also in many of their schools, just learning and soaking up how they were engaging, how they were having gains in academics. The first thing that they teach their children is what does it mean to be Singaporean? The first thing I teach my children is what does it mean to be African and an Imani genius? And so all of my students that come to me are called Imani geniuses because it means faithful and brilliant. So I use, I don't use American standards in that terms. I use, what does your child need to learn? And I think we talked about this the other night. What does your child need to learn to get to the destination that they envision for themselves and that you envision for them? And we scaffold all the way back. Mm-hmm. Now, do it that way. If you tell me your picture when I'm consulting with you, if you tell me your picture, I want my child to be, and I don't just mean a lawyer or a doctor because that's great, but what type of person are they going to be? What type of character are they going to have? What type of leadership will they exhibit? Let me know those things. And then we're going to scaffold all the way back to whatever grade they're in now, whatever age they're in now. And we're going to push them to there. And the the way they do that. The way they matriculate will be completely based on them and you. It won't be based on they have to learn a certain thing by a certain age. I don't subscribe to that at all. My daughter was reading at 16 months. That's when she told me she was ready to read. She was signing as her first um, language. My son told me he was ready to read at two. He read within that first week. So every child is different. Mm -hmm. And I just push them based on, and they are so intuitive and so capable and so aware of themselves. As long as we don't snuff that out, that self-awareness by telling them, no, you have to do this by this time. Continue to, and that's, that's the beauty and the gift of homeschooling because they have some autonomy it. they have a book. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They're really interested in forensic science. That's something I never would have thought to teach my children or expose my children to. But they're interested in that. OK, let's explore it. And that's some of the things that they, the freedom that you don't have in traditional school settings, you get to cultivate their unique genius rather than checking off boxes.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: And in doing that, to answer Kira's question, to answer McDonald's question, you automatically push them beyond whatever state standards are. I guarantee you that. So I wanted to share um, this effect and I was trying to share my screen. But if you look at so there's a study and if you um, look at some of the studies of the effect of black students, the effect of homeschooling on black students in this country, what we learned is that in reading the average. Are you able to see it? Not yet. It? Okay. Hold on no, one it's usually
1: delayed, so it might take a
0: second.
2: Okay. Um, you see it?
0: Not yet. You see it? No, we don't see it as yet.
3: Okay. There we go.
2: Okay. So. Okay. This is a study done in 2016, and it shows the effect on Black U.S. students who are homeschooled. And in reading the average, and this was showing that everything else was the same. Their socioeconomic status was the same, uh, gender comparable, um, every other factor the same, the type of exposures they had had the same. And in one year, there was a 42% increase in reading, 26% increase in language, 23% increase in math. And this is where our babies, right? Because that's what I'm, I'm making no prompt about. That's what I'm most concerned about. Um, so when I thought about that and when I was doing the curriculum, I knew that if I just pushed every student to their potential, the standardized test, my children have never fallen below three grade levels on any standardized test they've ever had. Hmm. Like that's the standard. So I don't, I don't worry about that because the standards, unfortunately, in this country are not indicative of the genius our students have. I'll just put it that way. And it doesn't reflect them. So the RISE curriculum is the absolute best, but you can find a consultant that can help guide you in, through the meandering. There's so many mazes of curriculums out there. So.
3: Awesome.
2: Now, I'm loving everything that you're saying. Um, Jamie and I have, for a very long time, have wanted to homeschool officially. You know, homeschool them officially. Um, but one of the biggest, I guess, concerns are the financial part. Um, you know, what is it that you really, we know what we have to sacrifice in order to make this happen. But how did you guys come to that place where you? What did you do? How did you say, OK, no longer am I going to allow another institution to educate my, my, my kids. I'm going to do it. I'm, now we're working on one salary. How in the world did you guys do that?
4: So yeah, um, so the the first, the first thing I think is important to before you get to discussing specific finances about it, or at least for us, was to discuss the value that you put on it. Mm. And so, when we were moving down here uh, to South Florida and looking at educational options, one of the things we said long before we even had children, want,
3: you
4: know, we didn't want any white folks teaching our kids. Mm. A lot of that reasoning, specifically, um, I grew up in. From pre-K through my MBA, Afrocentric schools.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
4: you know, I am a product of not just black schools, but schools that are very, um, very explicit in stating that like it's going to be focused on. You are brilliant and bright because of your African heritage, not in spite of. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, cultural education is not supplemental for us. It's elemental for us. It's a part of who we are and it's a part of teaching the whole student. It's the same exact thing she mentioned when we were in Singapore, how in their pre-K, they start with what does it mean to be a Singaporean? It's the same reason why in traditional public schools in America, children are gonna learn to pledge to the flag as one of the first things. Um, And and so we wanted that to be, uh, well, not wanted. it it had to be part of the education. It had been part of our children's education and we paid for it previously. So we paid for it in private schools um, and other places that we lived. And so when reviewing schools down here, um, we actually went to a couple of schools that seemed to sort of fit the mold, fit the build, have black teachers, everything was great. Um, but then, you know, really started thinking at the end of the day, um, why would I pay somebody else for that when we're sitting on this gold mine anyway? We just pay mm-hmm. Um Now that's a privilege. I'm not saying that's everyone's. Right. Yes. But I think what is, I think what is a, a similar ethos is about what you're gonna value. Mm-hmm. You want the best education for your children and you know innately or you know intuitively that you can provide that better than another school public or private can then then you'll then you'll find the way right mm-hmm. and so um and and again it's, it's speaking from a place of privilege but it's also speaking from a place of if that education is that important then those are the sacrifices that can be made yeah and.
2: And there's only two, yeah. two you know, I, I subscribe to it. it's it's two types of talk, right? It's either a position of privilege, and I mean privilege in terms of mentality and spirituality, not just needs, right? Like if we mm-hmm. are all a faithful people here, um if we believe that God will provide whatever we need over and beyond all that we've asked, we believe in that prayer of this then and the vision is there and we know that that's the divine vision that i'm not worried about the provision for that i i know mm-hmm. that um the thing that i want out of this the picture that i see of my children i couldn't find anyone else that could help me execute that vision the vision that they mm-hmm. have share with me that they have for themselves because they're so intuitive i couldn't find anyone else that could do that so okay we're going to make this sacrifice so that was number one so it's either coming from a place of privilege or a place of scarcity And that's just not something we adopt. Remember, I told you about the why not, right? Everything was lack, 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 lack. And that's fine if that's what you adopt. That's just not something we were willing to adopt. We were willing to sacrifice on this front end because two things. We're not paying for college. We absolutely are not paying for college. Um, And they may or may not go, depending upon whatever entrepreneurial ventures they do before then. They may not have Mm a track record. We don't want to pigeonhole them into following a specific path of go to school, get a good job, the end. Um, my children have already told me they're not working for anybody else. And so that's already clear, the freedom of that thought, you know, the freedom that they have to even say that right now when they're not even double digits, I want them to have that. Now if that changes, it will be because they decided, not because circumstances push them into one way or another. So I think every generation owes it to the next to um, give them a little bit more
3: freedom, gift them a little bit more freedom Yes. And what we have for ourselves. We have more mm-hmm. than our parents have to gift that a little bit
2: more so that we can get closer and closer to it. what the true freedom is. No fear. Yeah. I have no fear of my bills getting paid. Like, can you imagine your children like never ever having to worry about expense? I have no fear of any provision being supplied. I have no fear. Because I can manifest anything I want using my talents and my gifts, and so mm-hmm. they see me doing that. They see us doing that. They're going to replicate it, right? So I want to gift back to them, and school can't do that.
0: Yeah, I love what you um what you said about the education and building that Africanness in in um instilling that at an early age. Because the one thing that I noticed this is that Jews don't allow Germans to teach their children their That's history.
4: Right. No. That's right. Mm-hmm only
0: know. black people are the only people who let white people teach us about our history and when they do that they come from you know we were slaves not from africa we start out as slaves in america and then we um you know and then the same people that enslaved us gives us our freedom right. just this week uh carlene and i i was fire coming out of my brain because <laughs> um we, we're studying juneteenth and one of the questions on the on, the, on my child's on caitlin's uh, questionnaire, social studies said, the reason why the slaves were still held is because they didn't get the news to them. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was basically saying it's because news didn't travel fast. That's why it didn't get down. So I'm saying, hold up for a whole year. <laughs> Two whole years.
1: slavery was so, a choice. It was right. a
0: choice, right. Yeah. So, And so that's that mixing of knowledge Mm -hmm. that these white folks that control curriculum that our Black students are getting in these schools that's making them lose their identity of who they are. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so, you know, so I I love that. I love that autonomy to create curriculum that is Mm Afrocentric and that is true to who we are and not Eurocentric.
2: And let me explain, too, the difference between the two. So it's not just it's Afrocentric, so it's just for people of African descent. It's it's definitely inspired by and specifically for um, those who subscribe to a more holistic view of education because that's what Afrocentricity is rather than a Eurocentric list. Because don't get me wrong. If it's not Afrocentric, it is Eurocentric. So if you're not doing an afrocentric curriculum you are doing a eurocentric curriculum so if someone is telling you that it's some it's racist to be afrocentric it's racist to use afrocentric curriculum it's racist which is totally misused and all these things then you can totally flip that right because it's certainly racist to use the um Afro- eurocentric curriculum that has been that never included us in there right um, in, the, in an accurate historical perspective, so I definitely want to make sure it's understood that anyone can use specifically any Afrocentric curriculum, but my curriculum because it is academically rigorous because that's what Afrocentricity is. We raising Imhotep. Imhotep was the first noted multi-gen- multi-genius. You know, we talk about Socrates, Homer. I all those people learned from Africans. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we talk about that, I'm saying any child can learn academic rigor and excellence through this lens which is more holistic and accurate and historically sound as opposed to a different view that definitely minimizes other
3: cultures.
1: what would yeah. you say what would you say is I guess the cutoff point right so let's say our child hes nine
3: mm-hmm.
1: or let's say someone has a kid that's I don't know in the ninth grade like what is the cutoff point where homeschooling makes sense? where you can infuse that and help them unlearn, I guess, not unlearn, but I guess infuse that way of learning into um, what they currently have um, in existence today.
2: There's no cutoff point for a willing child and willing parent. I know, I mean, many, like I said, co-ops and groups, especially um, virtual co-ops and groups as well, where many of the parents didn't pull their children out until high school, they just had had enough by that point some of the reasons they have pulled them, their children out were because of very detrimental experiences the children had had, um, and thoughts of suicide, thoughts of strong depression, you know, various other factors that they just said they were at the and we've got to pull them out. Right. And even then there was rapid and exponential growth in every area. So there's no too late. Right. I, I was, in a predominantly black neighborhood school in Southwest Atlanta from uh, pre-K through middle of third grade. I was tested in kindergarten, labeled gifted, and we can talk about some of that later. Um, But I was, so I go to my neighborhood school, but then I was taken from my neighborhood school in the middle of the day, bust an hour away to this predominantly white school, and then had to be bused back before eventually my parents transferred me to this white school. So what happened in my mind then, In third grade, was this realization okay? This black school with all these black teachers who loved me. I remember all of Miss Walker, Miss Harmon, Miss (laughs) Hyde. Okay, um, they weren't good enough. They weren't good enough. I had to go to this now white school. Now, I'm sure that's not the lesson that I was supposed to get, but that's what I got. That this black school was not good enough. I was something different, unique that I didn't want to be at nine. I was the only black child in my in my classroom. I didn't want to be that I missed my friends. I missed my culture. Um, and so from third grade through 12th, I learned that was my setting. And it was the repeated lesson indoctrination of I'm not good enough. I'm just happy to because kids would literally say you're only here because of affirmative acting. Like this was happening.
4: Hmm.
2: Right? You know, teachers saying, Oh, you might not get this before it's even presented. Like all of these microaggressions, and I was saying this the other day, that we don't train warriors on the battlefield. So there isn't, as soon as you recognize that you can, and you have the desire, do it. Because you are going to empower your child in a way that you can't even fathom right now, especially if you didn't experience it yourself. Most of my peers did not experience a homeschooling um, environment. So we have nothing to compare it to. But I guarantee you you are more equipped to empower your child to be their best self than anyone else.
1: You- so the reason why I asked that question, because for as long as we can remember, um, as long as Orion has been born in cognitive, he's he's always excelled at just about everything that he, he does. And one of are the fears that we've discussed, um, Carrie and I have discussed is that He would he would get in uh, a school system and he would excel and basically like blow whatever they give him out of the water. But they would hold him back in order to wait on others or they may identify that he's excelling at a rate much faster than everyone else and make a conscious decision not to continue to foster that. And then he kind of gets into a mindset where he has to always wait for everyone else to continue his learning. And he's experienced that. And we've seen behavioral, um, I guess, we've seen like him act out as a result of that. His frustration.
4: How old is he now? He's nine. So I think we had a conversation about this. I can't remember, but um, um, there is a, uh, there's a book that I, that saved my life. And it's called Countering the Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys. That's yeah. By
0: that. The Jufu, right?
4: And I specifically say it saved my life because uh, it came out, I think when I was in the first grade, um, and my mom read it, uh, and when I was in the first grade, my brother must have been in ninth grade, so he's you know significantly older than me, um, and not at all any less... Um, uh, uh-huh. Capable as me, but we had different, definitely different educational trajectories. He got his last credit to graduate high school on the day of graduation. Wow. Just because he, just because he knew he could and, and waited to do so and was bored with school. Uh, in the book, they talk about fourth grade failure syndrome. So it happens to nine and 10 year old boys and specifically what this is described in the book is what you just described with Orion is exactly what happened to me. So much so that my fourth grade teacher wanted to hold me back a year. Wow. Um, and you're speaking to someone who was most likely to succeed in high school and in college, um, who has been at academically, Gifted sound, you know. He is smart. (laughs) He is. So it's it's
3: about
4: my, you know, educational, you know, capabilities or competency, right? So, um, but that happens. That happens to us specifically, and our maleness comes a little bit sooner than white males at eight, nine years old, and so just the overall bravado for me. I would not wait. I was not one that was going to wait or slow down. If teachers say something before they finish the question, I shout out the answer. Yep. You know, to show that I knew it before anybody else. Used to piss the teachers off. Yeah. You know, um, and I didn't care. You know, (laughs) and, and, um, and so when that came, you know, my mother was equipped from reading that book and was able to deal with it in that setting. Hmm.
3: Um,
4: But, you know, separate from that, you know, that is something that, I think our daughter would be in a similar situation if she was in traditional schools. Um and so that's one of the things that I've seen how she has excelled um in a space with uh in, in a homeschooling space where it sort of has, you know, curbed my enthusiasm to get her out of the homeschooling space soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. They have
2: they have no um premise of what they should or should not know. So if you're in a classroom setting,
3: right. you know
2: a little bit more or a little bit less than your peers, you think something's wrong with you. You mm-hmm. realize that something's wrong. So you, you dim your light either way. You either mm-hmm. are afraid to ask questions when you don't know because you don't want to be the kid that doesn't know, or you don't raise your hand because you don't want to be the kid that does. So either way, you're not challenging yourself. You're not learning at your pace. My kids have no idea what they should and should not know by a certain age. They just do. They just learn. They just push, right? And so I know this for sure with my son. So I, I do take my summers off because I, I need my time, right? <laughs> so I do take my summers off. And uh, the first year we moved down here, we put our son in a Montessori camp, right? I had to take him out <laughs> pretty much <laughs> immediately because first week I get calls come up to the school, we have some disciplinary problems. Now, if you know my son, like he's so mild, so chill. I'm not one of those biased parents, like I will tell you my kid was not doing what they're supposed to do, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But I'm also gonna be their best advocate. So if you are telling me something, you better be right. So I go up to the school because I'm going to address whatever it is. I'm addressing my child or I'm addressing this, this leadership. And they tell me, well, you know, we asked Amiri to count for 10 and he wouldn't do it. I was like, he wouldn't do it. Now he's three what three, three, three. So he wouldn't do it. Like he's been kind of ten since he was like couldn't open his mouth and speak. So what do you mean he wouldn't do it? I was like, he wouldn't do it. He kept saying, "What language?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and said,
2: wow. Oh, did you answer him? Well, you know that's just disrespectful. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because we we practice a different language a day. So what do you mean? How is that disrespectful? How? Did you answer, because if you had answered him, he would have told you, or he would have just, well, he just told me in Spanish. I said, OK. He said, I said, well, you know, did you understand? Because this, we live in uh, Miami, predominantly Spanish population around us. So probably just heard other teachers, other peers speaking in Spanish. So I thought, like, OK, this must be the language of this setting. Did it in Spanish. But they really were trying to write him up for this. Right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs>
3: Yeah.
2: This, yeah, is, yeah. this this I, is not going to work. <laughs> this is not yeah. I, I could see him because he's he is the type of child that wants to please his elders, that wants to do the right thing. And I could see him like just cowering and not understanding what he had done wrong. And like I'm about to I'm like, oh no, uh-uh. No, he's not he's not about to internalize that he's wrong when he isn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I did not want to constantly be combating these microaggressions
0: throughout their childhood yeah yeah I, I was just agreeing with what you were saying because like there are these unconscious and implicit biases that come with their schools that our children have to counter and you know and there's so many there's so many cases where our smart children have been left behind because whiteness doesn't want black kids or anybody else to share in the pie that they have so we've seen like they've They'll get advanced, while ours will get held back because they don't want to spread the wealth and those things. So, yeah, yeah it, I mean,
4: it just, a lot of times it just doesn't compute for them. They right. can't. Their 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 culture is a majority dominant, so they don't understand. Oh, there could be something different. We yeah. are, we are born into being a minority, so we understand. Yeah, there's a lot different. In fact, most of the world we'll see is different than us because we are. Minority in where we live, and so a lot of times they just they just don't know what, the, what they're talking
0: about. Right. Yeah. Like to say things like, "She's so smart. He's right. so well. mm-hmm.
4: yeah. I'm mm-hmm.
0: not supposed to speak well. Like I'm yeah. so not supposed to be smart. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that I was, that's, a, that's.
2: I was lauded in, in elementary school for the most basic of things, <laughs> and it I didn't understand and could not articulate then why it didn't feel good. I just knew it didn't feel good. Like I was praised for just mediocrity, Um, any little thing. Now I was excelling and doing other extraordinary things. I was definitely comparable with my peers, if not better. But that that whole push and notion that we have to be twice as good or twice as hard—all that—like that's ingrained from the beginning. But I still was only recognized for the little. Oh, like you know. Oh, you wrote your
4: name. It out and also too when you know the other children learn things like oh you you think you're smart you acting white yeah right. mm-hmm. so if you if you have an Afrocentric educational background and you're like okay well Imhotep was the first genius before Socrates before Da Vinci before mm-hmm. uh, before Newton so actually who I'm actually acting acting, yeah who was acting like who right so the, just that that type of framework you know is. Important for us that our children have that and understand, um, you know, excellence is the standard. So if you come less than that, we got problems. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Now, do you think. Oh, Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that Orion and I have been talking about during this time period is, you know, how is he adapting to distance learning? And he actually shared with me that. One of the things that he liked was that he doesn't have to wait on others. You know, he can kind of work at his own pace, and when he's done, he's done. Um, he likes having the you know the interaction with his peers, doing like Zoom calls or whatever. But you know, we, we get his curriculum at the beginning of the week. He's usually done by Wednesday. You know, with all of his his assignments, and then Thursday, Friday, we have an opportunity to kind of you know flex a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions I had for you is, I know you have the Rise um, you know curriculum, but do you have something that maybe can support a child who's not fully ready to, you know, make
3: the, the homeschool leap, but can also
2: support them in learning. Absolutely. So there are levels in terms of the curriculum. So I I either train homeschooling parents and families or those who want to supplement. And most of my students that come to me here now are actually supplementing families. They're children, they, they have not been able to make the leap into homeschooling. And most most of the time it's just because they just don't have the desire like most parents, I just don't want to take on no kids, and yeah, that's real. He, if, right. God forbid if anything ever happens to <laughs> me.
3: Like, oh it is, man!
2: Not, if, if, right, and that you have to be honest with yourself, right? Like I don't think a parent should sacrifice their mental wellness to do this. So I'm, I'm not doing that. So I think that's I'm where definitely it draws that the parent line.
4: from the mean. Yeah. If Johnny had five pounds <laughs>
1: So there
3: were the questions. I guess.
2: We do offer supplemental packages as well for those parents who they're still in traditional school, but we just want a little either for cultural components or academic rigor. Um so it's for pre-K right now, pre-K through five, the full curriculum, and then I offer a supplemental for six through twelve because six through twelve, they have full autonomy to me. That if I'm supplementing for that child, thank you. Is it Shiante? I hope I'm saying that right. Shiante? If they ask, or Shante? Is that Shante? Shante? I want
3: to make sure I get it right because I have have one of those
2: challenging names, so I like to get it right. But what (laughs) I'm saying for sixth through 12th grade, we offer the supplementation for them based on subject, and it's based on, it's a customized supplementation based on their needs. But for pre K through fifth, it's an overall holistic curriculum to either supplement or the full homeschool curriculum. So you can do either one.
0: That's great. Cool. That's good stuff. You have another question? Yeah, I wanted okay. to know,
2: um, how are homeschooling your children right now? Is there a cutoff point um, in terms of, are you going all the way up to high school? Um, what what were your plans?
4: It's, 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 a, it's at least, Visited periodically, and a negotiation occurs because okay. I still feel very strongly about. I don't want my kids being corny. My my son needs <laughs> to know how to girls. You know, uh, you know, my daughter needs to know these lame boys. You gotta, right. you gotta know, you know, gay, recognize gay. These right, right. No <laughs> right. all day. Uh, at, however, at the same time, you know, um, I, I humbly say this: my daughter. Is is eight about to be nine, but reads at an eleventh grade level, mm. and she acts like me in terms of she's not waiting on anybody else. I'm like, I don't know if she's ever gonna be able to go back to school. You know, that's the reality of it, and that's because all because of the rise curriculum and you know that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, I do want at some point more than just extracurriculars to be in that environment of you know larger class settings. And, and, and I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but, but we probably every half a year are talking about that in detail about, and it's usually me pushing, they need to go to school. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so,
2: yeah. So our children weigh in on this decision too. So when we first moved down here, we kind of, uh, we didn't make the conscious decision to homeschool. First, we explored every option. We weren't, we're not just adamant like homeschool, no matter what, we will do what's best for our family and we will shift and adjust as needed. So we, when we moved down to Florida from Georgia, our students, our kids were considered foreign students and the state wanted to hold them back because they were already a year ahead in terms of age and they were not recognizing their education. And so I said, okay, I will agree to any test because you all love your tests. I'll agree to any test assessment. If they don't surpass whatever the expectations are for that test to move on to the next grade, then I will yield to that recommendation. But I'm not just going to put them in a grade based on their age. I think that's silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they am not willing to do that. So I, I had no choice really. It was like, okay, well, I'm not going to regress my child you know, they, they definitely would have been bored. My child would have definitely been acting out if she had to sit through an entire year of the same curriculum she had already completed maybe two years ago at that point. Um, so I wasn't doing that. Um, so I didn't have a choice. And we ask every year. They weigh in on it. I ask my daughter because there are times where I'm like, babe, you sure you don't want to go to school? Because <laughs> I'm tired. You sure you don't want to go to school? And she says very adamantly, no. I, do, I, don't, I don't want to go to school. She loves the fact that she is pushed to do what she's able to do. She gets to have choice in what she learns. Um, and the other part about the social part, let me go back to this for a second. So we all talk about the fun social part of it, which they definitely get it from extracurricular activities, summer camps, weekend play dates with their friends. They're still doing all the things, right? Because the socialization they're getting in school that uncultivated unmanaged um, socialization from peers is not necessarily something I want for my children. Yeah, I do. I want the, <laughs> I
1: want the- other <laughs> shame the devil. And, I know that's
4: but, right. I want, want them to know me say that's your mom and your daddy, not no. your tall grandma. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 I talking about that. I'm talking about the more dangerous thing. I'm not even talking about that. That's that is why I do want them to get all that. I want them to know all the dances. I want them to know I want them to be cool kids too. Like all of that.
3: But I don't, I, don't I don't. They
1: can't be in a dance party doing this.
3: Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they kept doing that, right? So I want them to
2: be fully themselves and have fun and all of that.
3: Right. I
2: don't want them exposed to some of the other things that could happen uh, without getting too graphic. So I, having worked in public, private, and charter, I walked in on too many bathroom episodes that should not be happening in elementary school. Right, too mm-hmm. much exposure of things that teachers just could not manage because there was too many kids. Um, mm-hmm. I personally was exposed to things I never confided in my parents about. I I just knew not to talk to them about it, but I knew it was I knew it was wrong, so I couldn't talk to them about it. And so my parents were just unaware of some of the things I was exposed to far too prematurely.
1: But to the flip so- side of that, though, right? But I mean, but how do you? How do you prepare them for the world? Like how,
2: When I tell you, we talk about everything.
1: I think it's different, though, to talk about stuff versus themselves, right? And there's an age
2: for that, right? There's an age for that. Pre-K through fifth grade, to me, is not the time for that development. Those formative years. My child shouldn't be learning about condoms from her fourth, third grade period. And there are kids talking about that in third and fourth grade. They mm-hmm. should not be learning about oral sex, pre-K through fifth grade from their peer because they're talking about that in elementary mm-hmm. school. So here's the veiling here's that a lot of parents have. A lot of kids are exposed to things that they just shouldn't be Very like true. early ages. Mm-hmm. Very Those things should not be conversations that my children should be having with other children. Mm-hmm. But if there are questions about it, we can talk mm-hmm. about it. You know, so, After fifth grade, we can have this company. No, I understand what you're saying, but just being able to socially
4: engage with other people and be normal. But It's it's something that we have to talk about every so often, or ever so often because I don't sit on that fence of that's, you know, I absolutely agree they should not be learning about it. But I also am wondering, okay, is that going to be so much to the detriment that are they losing something else? So it's really the original question is is really the couple or the parent the parents need to get on that page and then see mm-hmm. where they are with it and what's what you know what they're comfortable with and with that with that student. Yeah. Every single time that we've talked about it over the last two years, it's been okay. Let's continue on with the yeah. yeah. It's
3: COVID.
2: Like, what do you want to lose? What do you want to gain? And for us, the gains are always greater with homeschooling at this point, and we assess that every year. And like mm-hmm. I said, ever the reverse, we'll make a different decision. But so far, it's been greater gains on this end um, than not. Even so sure. question Question, as you're talking about gains and um, any regrets, anything you would have done differently So we just found out some new information about our daughter and just about in terms of her ability. Uh, I, I do standardized tests. You don't have to. It's not required of homeschooling um, parents. I do them because I do like for my data. I am a data person. I like to keep records. I like to know, um, especially in terms of my business, I like to make sure I, I'm seeing that. Um, and so we, we got this new information that even surpassed what we expected, right? And it was a reminder to me to practice what I preach in terms of allowing her to have more guidance in her own education. Mm -hmm. I regret thinking I was inadequate in the beginning Mm -hmm. and trying to adopt and mirror what traditional schools do in my home.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And that there were times when we struggled and it was difficult and days where we would both end up in tears because I was trying to force This square into this circle, and that was not what needed to happen because I was thinking that what I had, and what I even though I had seen the track record, even though I had done it with other students, I'm like, This is my baby now, I gotta make sure. And this other thing must be right because you know the public school system is doing it, and you know other things are doing it, so I have to do it. And I was trying to force. I had we had a desk and we had chairs and we were, I was I was basically replicating traditional school in my home mm-hmm. and it led to a lot of frustration on um, for both of us. Um, and it just it was not a good, fun, engaging time. And once I scratched that. The world is kind of open and I wish I had gotten there a little bit sooner. And even now with this new information, I'm like, I can I can let go even more. Like, I, really, she, she's doing marvelously well. And not just academically. Like, she, she's a great all-around kid. My son, great, just all-around kid. I can let them have more autonomy and more freedom, more flexibility. And do what these other white families are doing. They're having a good time. <laughs> They're having a good time without mm-hmm. all the pressure. Like, I, I could ease up on all the, like, if I didn't teach her another thing for the next three years, she still would be ahead. Wow.
3: Right.
1: Um, I have a question for you. You mentioned something. Um, just a second ago about the, the keeping of records aspect of it, right? So um, let's say you did want to transition back into the school system, or let's say you just, dis- you determine what a cutoff point was for you and your family. Um, what type of information as a parent, if you decide to go down this route, should you memorialize and have um, on your person ready to hand over to um, school systems. If you wanted to then go back into the school system, what what type of documentation should you keep track of as mm-hmm. far as their testing, their scoring, their benchmarks, and so forth?
2: So every state will have its own requirements, and so you'll have to look at your state requirements of what they must have. But I recommend every family, whether it's required or not, to keep copies of receipts. Keep those receipts. So we keep. So we, I'm not a worksheet family. I don't. I don't like worksheets. I hate worksheets. There. That's just not how my kids learn but we still have worksheets for that reason. I have a whole binder of after I've taught them something, they've mastered it just to show and display that they've mastered it. We also do the standardized test. That's not required. You don't have to do that. The only thing required is that for most states is that you keep a portfolio for every subject that you teach in the state of Texas, they actually have required subjects to teach. Most states don't have that. Most states don't care what your teacher gives. Um, like you, you would just teach them farming all day long, which is what a lot of agricultural families do. But in the state of Texas, you are required to teach math, science, reading, grammar, and um, if they want to go to college in Texas, they have to have science and history. But you have you would have to keep a binder of each of those subjects to show improvement, especially for our kids, because they're going to challenge them. They're going to challenge them if they ever try to transition back in school so i keep copious notes and i did not let them go i have them from the time we started each year with one binder these are the things that we, they mastered in every subject these are the test scores at the end of the year i hire a um certified um clinical psychologist to assess them at the end of every year she does a standardized test with them as well so copious note and receipt are absolutely. That's,
4: the, that's the goal, the You ain't gotta do all that. Just keep your <laughs> <license>. keep, <laughs> them, keep them. Keep the receipts. When you file it every year, you got to file yeah. it with the school board to say mm-hmm. they passed that grade. All that. Keep that receipt for you. Talking to again, master teacher. You know, I, right? A normal parent. that's what what i was gonna say like from
2: my my parents i make it easy for you so i give you the actual worksheet that you need to track and i just print this off have them master that put in the binder it's that simple um because i do know that they will challenge our kids so the simplest thing you need is your notice of intent to homeschool that you filed with your district and the end of the year assessment by a certified teacher that said that they looked over your child's portfolio and they said it was good those are really the only two requirements but I do keep a binder of some of their work samples of every subject because I know they will be challenged. I anticipate that if they will
1: go back. So talk to us about what the starter kit looks like. Right. So let's say this school year is over. We decide that we want to jump into the deep end of the pool. What do we need to get started? Let's say we oh. use the RISE um, you know, curriculum as an example. What's the starter kit look like?
2: So the first thing is the course. So you think you want to homeschool? That's rolling out this summer because I need. We need to be sure. It's like dating, right? You're flirting with the idea of homeschooling. You know, they look good on the first date, but how <laughs> you know, you to see how this goes. Uh, so that's what the course kind of helps parents get through. Uh-huh. If by the end of that course I have not scared you, then you we
1: scared move on. me, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 you know, you think- you're supposed to help us sell it, not not a.
2: No, no, we do we just go through everything. Parents get to understand everything. This is what this looks like. This is what it is. I hold nothing back because I want you to be informed. Um, and so once you do that, then I do what is called a learning style assessment of your child. I believe in teaching to the learning style of your child, mm-hmm. I think it's so critically important. I think um, in school, most schools teach to the teacher's learning style. So if your child is not learning in that way, they just miss it. They just miss it completely. So we teach to the learning style of the child in the formative years. So, we also stretch every other learning style because the world will not adapt to them. So first is the course to make sure you're sure about homeschooling. Next is the learning style assessment. And then we assess how do you want to do this? Because there's so many methods. Do you want to just replicate traditional school? That's not something that worked for my family, but it may be something that works for others. I do know other homeschooling families. They have a whole classroom, desk and chairs, and it works. It fits for them. Their children just needed a smaller environment, but they still needed that structure. There are others who want a Montessori method in their home, and so we go through that. So we go through the training based on what you want in your home. What does it feel like? What do you want your house to feel like? Because it's still your home, right? So what do you want? home to feel like while your children are learning um and then i walk you through every step of everything that you need i am as much a part of your curriculum as you want me to be so some parents just say let me check in with you once a month some are like once a quarter some are like at the end of every year and some are like i need you every day so it just depends on the level of engagement you want me to have i can be all in or i can be just a little on your shoulder, yourself. <laughs> So it just depends. It's very customized, because I don't believe it's one size fits all.
0: OK, awesome. Yeah, because I was going to ask a question like, what, what, what about the parent that wants homeschooling but doesn't want to teach the curriculum? Mm-hmm. So can their child be part yes. of another homeschool, have Absolutely. another teacher?
2: Absolutely. So I don't consult. My consultation as a homeschooler and my curriculum are two separate offerings. So a lot of parents do come to me, they are using, I just saw a parent that is using FOVS. Um, I do have some students who are using FOBS. that's the Florida Virtual School, that's what that stands for here. Every state has a free virtual school component. And so there are a lot of parents that use that, but they just wanna figure out how am I, help me with time management, help me with motivating them through this, help me with this subject area material, I don't understand it. And so I do help guide them through other curriculums because it may not be the best fit. I do not taught that mine will be the best for everyone. If you do not subscribe to learning from this view, it won't be the best for you. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I still can help you navigate through homeschooling itself. So those are two different um, offerings that we do. So you do not have to use the RISE curriculum. If you know, I have a curriculum I like, but now what? I can help you with that now what question.
0: Yeah, awesome. This is a question from Inda Masugu.
2: Do you find it's equally effective for high school age kids? Do you know if there are any homeschooling? So every state has its homeschooling requirements. I have the documentation because I've just researched every state. I don't know Arizona's off the top of my head, but um, if you go to your state, if you go to the state, your district's um, website, it'll tell you exactly what is required. I know in every state you're required to submit your notice of intent and to submit some type of assessment at the end of the year. It doesn't have to be a standardized assessment but it does have to be either a certified teacher or someone else assessing your child. So I know that's a clear across every state. Um, in terms of effective in high school, it really depends. Again, it's not one size fit all. I know some high school students who absolutely thrive in a high school, homeschool environment. Um, and then I know some others that they're pulling it, parent and child are pulling their hair out, like, no, this is not working. So it really just depends on your child and it may vary year to year. Like I said, we have not made a decision that this is gonna be every year, but I know with the information that we've gotten about our children, they will never be in a traditional public school setting. It just, it would not be equipped to teach them in the way they need to learn. Um, but they, we may look at micro schools. We may look at mm-hmm. co-ops that are more structured. We may look at different types of learning environments um, where I'm outsourcing that. Cause it is, it, I recognize that it will get to a point, the way my kids are learning, Where I'm going to have to outsource certain subjects. I'm not trying to learn statistics again. I'm just not. Uh, So, you know, there may be times for that to happen, but it really depends on the child. There are some kids that I know started high school at 13 and finished very early and took gap years. Can you imagine our babies being able to take gap years? Mm.
3: What?
2: Mm. Focus on travel. (laughs) No. Business, so it just depends on the child. It really is not a one
3: size fit all answer.
1: I do have for you. Um, So, is there any data out there that supports or provides any insight into either college uh, acceptance rate of you know the college of choice acceptance rate, scholarship um, attainability? Um, that kind of thing, and then once they get to college, how does the homeschooling then transpose into their ability to compete at that level?
3: So
2: I want you to, if you could put up um, this study by Dr. Brian Ray. Um, I follow him closely, Dr. Brian Ray. He, um, if I can pull it up, he has a National Homeschooling um, and Educational Research Institute,
3: mm-hmm. so
2: N H E R I, and he does various studies, research on all of this. This is like his life's work. Um, again, it's National Homeschool Education Research Institute. Um, and if you look up, he has various studies on all of those things. So, yes, what typically happens across the board, and I'm not going to speak the exact numbers, but I know, and this is one of the reasons I can do it, one of the things that's cited in one of his studies is that in terms of college, it's 100% collegiate acceptance. Now, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Like, what school is even 100% besides the school in Chicago that I love? Um, wow. But for those who subscribe to that, now, every homeschooling student is not going to college by choice. A lot of them are going to some type of vocational or technical school or some entrepreneur venture, or they have generational wealth wealth so they don't even have to work. But those that choose a collegiate path, typically it is early and is at 100% acceptance rate. Um, and then they do well. So there are studies, but if you go to that site, he has numerous studies on all of those topics and that is one of them.
0: Okay, okay. I just thought this comment was interesting um, that she says she helped him with that mama style. So yes. I know what that mama style uh, means.
2: <laughs> and if your son is in eighth grade, that means he's somewhat self-sufficient so he can kind of guide himself and go track through those courses. So those things are very helpful in those cases because they can just learn their own, like how Orion is saying he can just learn at his own pace. He completes his work by Wednesday, he's got a five-day weekend. Like who, who doesn't want that, you know? So I, I'm definitely um, grateful for those type of services for parents who don't want to necessarily instruct, but they just want to be a coach. So some parents are teachers, some parents are just coaches. Like, okay, yeah, you got it, you could do it. Like, this, this is a coach. Um, but, you know, the kids can kind of be self-sufficient and matriculate through
3: the curriculum online.
0: That's great, that's great. Can you please, uh, for the folks that are watching, please let them know how can they get in contact with you? How can they get the RISE curriculum? Just
2: yes. put it all out there. Yes, if you visit raisingmhotep.com, um, you can get the overview and coming soon in June, we'll launch the course. So you think you want to homeschool. I'm trying to make sure everybody survives quarantine and survive the end of this school year. <laughs> but once you um, do that, you will um, be able to take that course and we can already start. I've already started with many homeschooling parents. Now, those who are in it now, just in the thick of it, I can serve the support to get through this last month of school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely encourage parents to take this time that we have to really reflect and think about, is this something that can fit my family? And the answer, maybe no, and that's okay. Just know your why and your why not.
0: All right, awesome, so, awesome.
2: Uh, how can our Imani geniuses connect with yours? Yes, yeah, so we have Mimi and Miramir the Glass Scientist on YouTube where they do science shows. And if they subscribe to that channel and the Rise Imani Geniuses channel on YouTube, that has all of their videos. So Mina, my daughter does reading with Mimi every week. They do the science shows. I mean, they're always out there. So if you subscribe to Imani Geniuses on YouTube, you can get updates of all of their channels and things like that, because they love interacting in that way.
0: Awesome, awesome. So everybody listening, we're gonna uh, put the tags and all of the information on the Facebook post and on the YouTube post so that you can click on it and that you can like it, subscribe it, and share with your family and friends. My lesson that I took away from this was: uh, Black people, stop letting your oppressor teach your children. That's and um, here, <laughs> and you know, and move forward so that we can be, you know, who God intended for us to be, not what man wants for us to be. Yeah. So you know, awesome, Talitha McDonald, Kerry. Thank you for the connect. Cool. I believe that this is going to be something that will um uh, will continue to foster and continue to grow as the days yeah. go on. Thanks. So
1: get. so I, I was going to say, um, you know, I didn't, I, the intent of this, this discussion wasn't necessarily to try to sway one way or another, but just to provide information. Right. Um, I think that the more that we have these kinds of conversations, some people may not even know that this is even available, right? Like mm-hmm. the level of information you provided. Um, I wasn't really truly aware. I mean, I knew you did your thing, but I didn't know to what level. Right. So, um, I won't say that I'm necessarily tipped over over the fence that I'm convinced all the way, but I am more aware now. It'll make us obviously go and look up some information to see if that's a good fit for us. And I hope that the people out there do the same. So um, we're really thankful that you were able to come on and spend some time with us. Hopefully we can do it again. Do you guys have anything you have to say? Yes, as long as
2: people are Exploring the options, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with that because I think we have the responsibility of cultivating the genius of our children, which is what mm-hmm. we try to do. So as long as you at least ask the question mm-hmm. and can be comfortable with your answer, I think success has happened here.
3: Indeed. Thank Indeed.
2: you, Crystal. Oh, she thank has, has an Immani genius. Crystal has an amazing money genius. That's
0: right. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So this is two really dope dudes with their really dope wives. With
3: <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> oh, <thank> uh-huh. <laughs> my due.
0: Oh, that's right, needs oh, together. get yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. <laughs> right, we signed We, please.
1: My illustrious <laughs> goddess of a wife, yes. <laughs> so you
3: know,
1: up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to sleep, I'm trying to sleep at night. With without that's one. right, <laughs> you're a
3: smart man.
1: <laughs> so, listen, man, we appreciate it, man. And until next time, you know, this is two really dope dudes. Thank you. you, good night. Good
3: night. Oh.